church and I love what God is doing in and through this church. Amen. And I love your elders and I respect your elders and I am grateful Bishop for the opportunity to share God's word. Uh, some of you, if you are a guest today and you don't like the preaching, well then come back when Bishop is preaching. And if you don't like when he's preaching, then you just need to repent and uh, so we're going to be in the book of Joshua today. And as uh, the bishop was uh, invited me, he said, I would like for you to talk about Joshua. I would like for you to talk about the bookends of Joshua, Joshua 1 and Joshua 24. But I want you to give an overview in week one. So we're going to have lunch provided <laughs> in about three hours. But he specifically said, you know, I'd like for you to cover Joshua because I just finished Romans chapter 1 through 11. And the theme of Romans 1 through 11, of course, is faith. The righteous will live by faith. And faith or belief is also, is also the cornerstone of the book of Joshua and the life of of Joshua. It is also the cornerstone. It's the topic of my book, 70 Seconds, which came out last year. And if you'd like a copy of that book, you can certainly pick one up out in the foyer. They're $15 each. Or if you want two of them, they're 20 bucks. You can give away one to a friend. And if you simply can't afford one, if you let us know, I'm happy to give you a copy of that book. Um, and uh, if you'll promise me that you'll read it. Uh, I don't want it just decorating your shelf. Now, someone might say when we're talking about Joshua that you're not all that familiar with Joshua, but you'd likely be wrong. Let me give you an example. Have you ever heard of a woman called Rahab? That's in the book of Joshua. And by the way, Rahab is listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, but Joshua is not. Have you ever heard of Achan? The one who sinned and stole things after the battle of Jericho and Joshua. That's the book of Joshua. How about the battle of Jericho? They marched around the walls. That's, that's Joshua. How about when the day that the sun stood still? You ever heard about that? You hear about that in, in even in folklore, people who aren't, or who aren't believers. That's the book of Joshua. I will mention two passages that you've likely heard. The first one, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, but do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How many of you heard that verse? How many of you have a magnet on your refrigerator with that verse? That's Joshua chapter 1. How about this? Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Ever heard of that verse? That is Joshua chapter 24. And I like that God put 24 chapters in there so it helps me to remember there's 24 hours in a day, there's 24 chapters in Joshua. Dan, I think that you can, this is easy enough, I made it as easy as possible for you to remember this. But the story of Joshua is easy to follow because it has a very clear beginning, middle, and ending. And then the whole, the whole book of Joshua has seven specific monuments that mark the flow of the story. I like it because it's almost like God put bookmarks into the pages of history. The monuments of Joshua are, reminding, are intended to remind God's people of very important choices that we make. And listen, it is the choice of whether or not to live by faith or fear. 
Now, I've always believed that I live by faith, but it wasn't until I was 40, 45, or even older that I understood the power of what God has placed inside of each one of us. But the story of Joshua all starts with God commissioning Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. If you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word. I want you to follow along in the scripture. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Here's what happened. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. You keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. You may be seated. You can read that in about 70 seconds. It struck me that it only took God a little more than a minute to tell Joshua everything he needed to know to be successful the rest of his life. That's why the book is called 70 Seconds. Sometimes we complicate what God is asking of us. God asks us to listen and to believe him. Just 70 seconds. You're like, 70 seconds, that's, that's all? He, God told him every, everything he needed to know? We see the odds are, since God invented this thing called life, he knows how life works. But it all hinged on belief. Listen, if it weren't important for God's people to believe, God's people would already be living in the land of Canaan 40 years before. He would have ignored their disbelief. But it, belief is where it all starts. But instead, when they first came to the Jordan River, they were filled with fear instead of faith. But Joshua believed. And the book of Joshua is, in fact, the application of this speech that God gave to Joshua. Now, I'm fired up to share this message with you today because everybody right now has the ability to believe. And that means you. In fact, I was so excited as I was writing this book, I used exclamation marks a lot of exclamation marks as I was writing the manuscript. Does anyone else in here love uh, exclamation marks? Okay, okay, don't you believe that, that uh, almost everything you say needs an exclamation mark? 
Now, there's other people who talk in periods. It's like every time they say something, it's a command. I feel good today. Period. I need you to call me. Period. Other people are excited. They talk in exclamation marks. If you are on social media, there are some people who think one exclamation mark doesn't get the job done. You need two, three. Do I hear four? Amen. Five, and then you know people are going to be fired up. That was, that was what I was feeling. I'm like, I want people when they read these words to stand up and not be able to sit down when they're reading the story because I want them to be convinced that God has placed within them the ability to believe. But belief is a choice. I have to tell you something funny that happened. Uh, the book went through many, many edits. And you have copy editors who are looking at all the details. And uh, one of the first copy editors, you know, what would happen is they would recommend changes. And I would go into the manuscript and I would accept their changes or not. They may change my grammar, which they did on plenty of occasions. They said, you can't write the way you, you, you speak because it, it, we need to communicate with different words. And uh, so I would accept it or not. Uh, one particular copy editor included a note about why he recommended changing an exclamation mark. He removed it and he just put a period right there. And I'm going to, this is exactly verbatim what he wrote in the side notes. He said, I am removing this exclamation point because it is unnecessary. Exclamation points are like cockroaches and should be eradicated whenever possible. <laughs> Most manuscripts, now this is what got me, because I was sitting in Starbucks, and I'm laughing out loud, and people think he's either possessed or he's intoxicated, but one of the two. And I'm laughing out loud thinking, this man is writing this to me? And then he said, most manuscripts allow for one per 100,000 words. The author has used 140 exclamation marks. Now, just to share with you how bad it was, I was texting another editor who had already worked on the book, and I shared with her this comment about cockroaches, and, and she wrote back, she texted back with two laughing faces, the emoji, two laughing faces, and she said, um, and to think I had already edited out a lot of exclamation points <laughs> before they saw it. Glad we got... Glad that we debugged the book. All right, like I was saying, I'm excited because everybody, including you, has the ability to believe. And that's exciting to me because belief is the beginning point for changing the trajectory of your life. And it is never too late. At this point in Joshua's life, he is 90 years old, but the best 20 years were ahead of him. It's never too late to say, I need to stop and pause and believe God and, and get a clarity about what God is saying to me. Now, Joshua had faith. Here's what God does in the 72nd speech. He gave him three commands. He told him to be three things, not do three things. He said, I'm going to give you three commands, and this is what I want you to be. I want you to understand this is who you are. It, it went to his character. Commands are things that you can obey. When God gives us a command, it's a choice. We can choose to disobey the command or we can choose to obey the command. He only gave him three. He didn't give Joshua 10 or 50 or 630, which there were in the Old Testament. He just gave him three. You want to know what they were? Here they are right here in front of you on the screen. He said, I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. 
And I want you to be obedient. Write them down. Because it's, it's what we need today, too. That's it. The same commands that God gave to Joshua, he gives to his people throughout Scripture. You see, sometimes we know so much about the Word of God, we forget the simplicity of the Word of God. God said, I need you to be strong, I need you to be courageous, and I need you to be obedient. You're going to need those because where I'm leading you, I, I need you to, to be strong. I need you to be courageous, and I need you to be obedient. Be strong, he said. In fact, in, in 70 seconds, God said it three times. He said, I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong. Have I mentioned to you, I want you to be strong? The opposite of someone who's strong is someone that's insecure or someone that's unreliable. Joshua would need to be confident. Write down uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's a command that we can choose to obey or we can choose to ignore. How about be courageous? Joshua needed to have a deep resolve about where he was going what he was doing, and why he was doing it. Joshua was going to be facing giants and fortified cities. And just as he was, and you and I face the same thing as we lead our families into the future, we face what I consider giants or those people who, that we think, we just see them as against us. We think, I can never overcome. He's always against me. She's always saying that. He's always, we see giants and we see fortified cities. To the Israelites, fortified cities were those things which seemed impenetrable and impossible. But God said, I need you to not to be confident. I need you to be courageous. Write down Hebrews 10, 35. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. In all the coaching and all the leadership that I do with, with leaders, one of the th passages I remind them of most of all is Hebrews 10, 35. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Rewarded. And Joshua needed to be courageous. The third one, be obedient. Obedience is a choice. Amen? Amen? Obeying God's word in every way is simple, but it's not easy. But the key to Joshua's success is being rooted in God's word rather than in just his skill or ability. So, you know, Jesus told us the same thing. He said, I want you to go and make disciples, but I want you to do what? I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, right? So here we have it. Be strong, be courageous, and be obedient. Why don't you say those with me? Be strong, be courageous, and be obedient. All right, now while God required Joshua to be all in, God also wanted Joshua to know that he was all in. So God actually promised Joshua outcomes. He let Joshua know, I want you to do these three things. I'm gonna tell you how it's gonna turn out. So God promises him three outcomes, and here's what God, uh, here's what God promises him. He says, I'm going to promise you companionship, companionship, I'm going to promise you success, and I'm going to promise you rest. And the three things are listed up here. He says, Joshua, I will be with you. Joshua, you will be successful. 
and I will give you rest. Now, I don't have time today to go back to, to Deuteronomy to show you how all that, that bringing him to rest uh, comes about. But th- basically, for me, these three things answer the three big questions in life. Three big questions are these. Will I be alone? I think, do we have those up here? Will I be alone? We may, I may not have put those in there. The three greatest fears. Number one here, uh, he says, I'll be with you. The question we have is, well, am I going to be alone in my life? Because I feel alone. The second one is, you will be successful, which the fear that we have is, does what I do in life really matter? Does it, does it matter? Because one day looks like every other day. Does it matter at all? And God says, oh, you will be successful. I have promised you not only eternal life later, but I am, I am with you now. And the third thing th- th- is this. When he says, I will give you rest, the, qu- the fear we have is whether or not we will be satisfied. We work hard, we work hard, we work hard for 20 years. For what? Maybe we are incredibly blessed and successful in our, in our business ventures and we make a bundle of money. So we have a bundle of money. Will I, will I be satisfied? Those are the questions. But the tools that Joshua needed, he's got. He needs to be strong. He needs to be courageous. And he needs to be obedient. And God said, I'm going to be with you. You're going to be successful. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you rest. He needed to believe because, because belief makes the difference. God would be with him. He would give him success and he'd give him rest. That faith is going to be tested in Joshua. And that's what I'm going to show you in the remaining minutes of our message. I want to remind you that scripture teaches us in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you have ever heard that scripture preached? Okay, me too. But I've since come to understand that without faith, it is not difficult to please God. It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's not tougher to please God. It's impossible to please God. I've been in church my whole life and I know how it works. But I can't please God by just showing up. I please God by faith. I please, it's, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, with that in mind, I want to introduce you to the seven monuments of Joshua. You're going to have to get ready to write these down. I've got them up on the screen, and I will show you one by one. There are seven of them. I suspect that you're going to be facing at least one of these things. My hope is that by looking through all of these monuments, that you will turn your faith loose in every area of your life. And even when you face hardship, you will not think, oh, well, I must not believe enough. But you will say, oh, maybe it's because I believe that I have entered into this particular hardship. And I hope also that your faith will shift from something that is available to you to something that actually beckons and calls you and leads you into an incredible, adventurous life that God has for you. So let's, let's launch into this. You ready? 
All right, Monument 1 is in Joshua 4, verses 19 through 24, and it is, remember what God has done. That's how I've summed up the, the first monument. And uh, the question is, how can I develop faith instead of fear in unfamiliar territory? Let's leave all these on the screen as I teach through these, please. In other words, when God leads me to a new place what happens often is I'm afraid because it's unfamiliar. Yesterday, I was hanging fans in our house. You got anyone in here, you, you buy a new house in Florida, there's no fans and there's no lights either. You walk in, hit a switch, there's no lights. They don't, they don't supply lights in Florida. They're like, open the windows. We have sun here. That's right. But in, but in Texas, where I was last year, they put all the fans and the lights in. I'm like, I, I like that. But I would prefer Florida over West Texas, just so in case you guys are wondering. But I'm hanging up these fans, and, uh, I'm, uh, and what do I do? I read the instructions, but it's all new to me. So my, the first fan, I sit down and I said, okay, I'm going to sit here and read the instructions because I've taught about men and how we tend to make our own way. And then we end up with extra parts that clearly we don't need, Right? <laughs> So I, I literally, I read through the instructions, and so it and I put a timer on my phone. Does anyone else time yourself when you're doing stuff? I'm going to turn it into a, yes, it's a disease. It, there is no cure for it. <clears throat> so I, I hit my phone. I'm like, okay, how long is this going to take me to do fan one? Because I've got four that, I, that I'm going to need to hit. So I'm going to just read the instructions, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finagle and put these things together. And they make them idiot-proof. Okay, so maybe I might have fouled up, but I'm an idiot. So what happened was I read the instructions, and when I got done, and my wife was trying to interrupt me. I'm like, woman, don't, you can't interrupt me. I'm involved in man's work. I, you, I've, got to, I've got to concentrate here. This is, this is new territory for me. Are you following me? This is new territory, and I'm sensing a little fear in myself. So I'm reading through all the instructions thinking, okay, Dan, focus. Now, I know you know this, but, but you need to focus. And it took me 24 minutes to get through the, the first step of assembling all the fan and stuff. I know y'all impressed. It's okay. Just but then the second one, I thought, oh, I'm going to set up a workstation. I went and threw some cardboard down on the center island out there so I didn't mess up my wife's counters and stuff. I put the, a fan box up there. I said, all right, set the timer. I started cutting and doing 11 minutes on the second one. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then I had the third one. I'm like, oh, we're about to get real now. Eight minutes on the third one. Why? Because I wasn't in new territory anymore, y'all. Y'all need fans hung? Call me. I mean, don't call me because I'm not coming to... I'm not coming to your house, right? I'm not going to come hang fans in your house. But my point is, when you're in new territory, there's, there can be some fear. And, and sometimes that fear will stop you from going to do what you need to do. And it's funny when we're talking about fans, hanging fans in a house. It's not funny whenever you're dealing with your life and what God has called you to do. But when God has taken you into a new place, you ought to mark that spot. Because when you begin to live by faith, when you cross over a barrier, and it was the Jordan River for them, you never want to go back. Let's read this in Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and they camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up the Gilgal, a Gilgal, the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. 
and the Lord your God did to Jordan, what to the Jordan, what they had done to the Red Sea, when he dried it up for us until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The very first monument is all about remembering what God has done. Sometimes we, we hesitate to take action. But the first monument, monument reminds us it's time to get started. We cannot get to a new place by standing still. So I'm asking, where is the Lord leading you? I think we all want more. We want to do more. We want to have more. And yet most of us aren't sure, quite sure how to get there. And when we're sure of, when we're real sure of what to do, we often hesitate to take action because that's committing ourselves. If I, if I take that step, then I'm committed to that. So I, I, need, to, I need to think about this and make sure I, I'm supposed to take that next step. But if you could ask Joshua, where do I start I'm stuck in a cycle. Where do I start? I want to grow my business. I believe that will honor God. I, I, want to, I want to lead my family. Where do I start? I want to develop my full potential in Christ. Joshua, where do I start? Well, I would tell you that when God puts dream or project in front of you, your only responsibility is to just start. God will provide strength and resources to you once you start. Moving forward doesn't require a leap of faith. Stop trying to psych yourself up. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a leap of faith. This is going to be. Now, if you're cliff jumping, I guess, I guess that's a leap of faith. But don't try to just, just take the next step, one step. Just do the next thing in front of you. Not the whole thing. Just do the next thing in front of you. That's the message of the first monument. By God's blessing, and his discipline, get started. Get started. That's monument number one. Monument number two, you must deal with trouble. And the question is that I ask is, will I be able to handle trouble when it comes my way? Let's read from Joshua chapter 7. And the end of the scripture of Joshua 7. Joshua 7 is about, AI, is about the battle of Ai. And Joshua had sent some spies up and they, they came back and said, hey, AI is just a small community. We can take care of it. Joshua said, fine. So why don't you send 3,000 warriors over there? Take care of it. And so 3,000 warriors went there. At the end of the day, they got routed. There were 36 Israelite warriors that were killed. Joshua had never to date lost a battle as a commander of the Lord's army. In fact, his all-time record by the end, uh, when everything was said and done, was 36 and 1. His only loss was in Joshua chapter 7 and he was devastated because God said you'd be successful he was devastated because the same reason we are when when we say well I'm walking by faith and I'm living by faith why am I having all of this trouble you got to get ready you got to deal with trouble living by faith doesn't mean you're going you're not going to have trouble Living by faith means that when you do have trouble, the question is, will I be able to handle it when it comes my way? At the end of the story, what happens? He finds out that, Josh, that, that, that um, Achan had sinned 
And he had, taken, uh, he had taken gold and he had taken some of the robes from the battle of uh, Jericho. And God said, no, all of that is, it has a ban on it and it belongs to me. I gave you the victory. All the spoils from that war belong to me. But Achan thought, I'll just get away with it. No one will ever know. And Joshua, actually, he didn't know that there was sin in the camp. You know how Joshua, re, Joshua responded? Joshua responded, not, not like that man of faith that just had crossed the Jordan River. Joshua responded by crying out to God in verses uh, 7 through 9. And he, he asked God this, why did you bring us here just to destroy us? Isn't it funny how we turn from just being strong, a woman of faith or a man of faith, to, oh, God's just out to get me. What do I do now, God, that, that Israel's been defeated? They had one loss, and Joshua's all about Israel's been defeated. What do we do now to protect your reputation, he asked the Lord. And then Joshua even said, if only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan River. You know what happens? We, read it. Joshua moves from this man of faith. He's crossed over. But before we get to this second monument, it's so critical to understand that, it, that you will have seasons where you second-guess yourself, you doubt why you ever started and you would doubt that you actually heard the voice of God and that you are following God in faith. Joshua literally said, if only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan River. If only we had been content to not go where you were sending us to go. And I like God's answer to Joshua. Joshua's down on his face. He's begging God. He's, he's crying to God. And God says, stand up. Seems insensitive to me. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What? Stand up. Get, dry your face off. Israel has sinned. Now listen. I, and before God could say anything, I know Joshua wanted to say, but you said we will be successful. You said you will be with me. You said, I can't believe that you, I can't, you said you're going to be, and you just failed us. You failed me. And I did this, and I did that, and I led this, and I even went and spied out the, the, spied out the city. And we, we did everything right, and God says, you need to slow down there. You need to slow down for a minute. Israel has sinned, and I will not go with you. Sometimes, in the way we live, we forget God is not our buddy. He's God. He's a holy God. And what he says matters. He's not a hard, harsh God. He's a serious God. And he said, when I asked you to be obedient, I meant be obedient. No shortcuts, Israel's sin. Now you fix the problem and then come back and we'll talk about it. And that's when Joshua went out and he went through all the, the, of Israel and he discovered Achan. And um, when he did, in verse 25, Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And then all Israel stoned him, Achan. And after they had stoned uh, the rest, they burned them. And over Achan, they heaped a large pile of rocks. That's monument two which remains to this day, then the Lord turned from his fierce anger, and therefore that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. The point of this one is, will I be able to handle trouble when it comes my way? And the answer is, yes, you will. But what I'm teaching you in the second monument is don't be surprised when you face trouble. Don't be surprised when the people you start with in ministry, you don't finish with. We, we like to hold on to people, and God says, no, that's, that's not the plan. That's not the plan. 
The plan is for you to hold on to me. Third monument. Joshua chapter 8, third monument is one of perseverance. It reminds you to get back up. It reminds you to keep going, to be resilient. And the question here is, do I have what it takes to persevere during setbacks? Listen, regardless what path you choose to walk in life, failure and setbacks will occur. And while it's admirable to, to have the desire to, to not fail at all, perfection can be a dangerous and destructive illusion. The last thing anybody wants to do is fail at anything. Amen? But if you're breathing oxygen, you will experience failure. This is just another way that the story of Joshua is our story as well. And God comes and he tells him, I want you to remove the feelings of discouragement and this where you, you've been stripped of courage and I want you to hear me when I say in Joshua chapter eight, verse one, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. I want you to take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai for I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. The monument here is a monument in Joshua chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, which I'll read in just a moment. But it is the idea that just because we have set, we've suffered a setback doesn't mean that we shouldn't be ready to persevere, to stand up. And I've often heard people say, hey, listen, if you're, if you're suffering a setback, it's just God in the business of, of getting you set up for whatever he's going to do. And while that's cute and nice, when you, when you, when you face a setback, it hurts. When you face a setback, you may spend a day or a week or a month in self-pity. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's a reality. And it's not because you're not where God wants you to be. It may be because you're exactly where God needs for you to be. And you need to fight through that and wrestle through that. But at the end of Joshua, they end up winning over Ai. And this is the third monument in the land. So Joshua burned Ai. And he made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolate place to this day. And he impaled the body of the king of Ai on a pole. That's gross. And he left it there until evening. At sunset, Joshua ordered them to take the body from the pole and throw it down from the entrance of the city gate. And they raised a large pile of rocks over it, which remains to this day. That's the third monument. Third monument is you hang in there and God is going to give you success. If there's sin you need to deal with, then deal with it. Monument number four is the very uh, next part of the chapter, chapter 8, verse 30 and 31. You need to stay in spiritual alignment. And the question here is, how can I pace myself and listen to God? Right after they had this victory, they stopped. They were in the middle of the land. And in verse 30, it says, Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what was written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. On it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. When Joshua built this altar, what happened was he brought the religious life of the people back he, he, he reminded them that it is more important that we are obedient to God than the fact that we are powerful as an army. You know what struck me about the 70 seconds speech that God gave to Joshua? He didn't say a thing about military strategy. He didn't say a thing about the enemies they were going to be facing. He didn't say a thing about the obstacles that they were going to come up against. 
He didn't say that, hey, you may have a loss or two along the way, but I'm still going to be with you. You're going to have to fight through some stuff and clean up some messes, but I'm going to be with you, and you're not going to do everything right. God didn't say all that because faithfulness is what matters to God more than strategy, more than skill, more than even knowledge. Faithfulness is what matters. All right, Monument 5. Monument 5, you got to go all the way to chapter 10. And in chapter 9 and 10, it's one story. This is where you have the Gibeonite deception. Do you all know about the Gibeonite deception? You have these people that are, there's a city called Gibeah. And there in that, in that time, in, in that region, there were, each city had a king and each king had his own army. And they saw Israel coming and they're like, this is, this is bad. So the kings were trying to like get along, but they, they couldn't get along because they, they hated each other. They wanted to defend their territory, but the king of Gibeah said, oh, no, 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 we're going to go make a treaty with Israel. And they knew that Israel had been sent to wipe out everybody from the land. And so they came and they, they were deceitful and they deceived Joshua. The problem was that they came and they had worn out clothes. They had bread that had old mold on it, you know, and all that. And so, so the Bible says that Joshua and the leaders, they sampled the provisions of the Gibeonites, but they did not inquire of the Lord. They, they felt so good about themselves and about their ability to, to see what was right in front of them. They sampled the provisions. They're like, I can see this, 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 this. Okay, but they did not ask God. Now, it's a shock to me, but I've done the same thing. I'm like, I don't need to bother God with this. This is a simple one. I, I got this. I don't need to pray to God and ask, well, well how, what, what do you want, core faith? Just, I was telling uh, Bishop this morning, I said, hey, listen, this has been a challenge because you wanted me to do the seven monuments, the overview things. So I had to sit down and ask the Lord, okay, how do I nail this thing down? And I'm like, I'm a fairly smart guy, wrote a book on the thing by God's blessing, but this is one of those things where you pray about everything. You're asking what, what is going to be needed. I don't know who's going to be uh, in the audience whenever I'm speaking at a place. And the power, you know, is in God's word. It's not in the messenger anyway, right? So you come to Joshua chapter 9, and they make a treaty with the Gibeonites, which ended up meaning that in chapter 10, the Gibeonites said, hey, y'all made this treaty with us. Everybody else is really ticked off at us, and they're coming to fight us. So Joshua ends up having to defend his mistake. He ends up having to fight the battles of, Gibeon, of the Gibeonites. At the end of it, God gives him victory. And here's the message that I want you to hear, and then we'll read, we'll read this monument. The message is this. Sometimes in life, we make decisions that have unintended consequences. We intentionally make a decision to go a place or move a place or do a thing or say a thing, but it has unintended consequences. You know what I'm talking about. You send a quick text. It's about your boss. You think you sent it to your wife, but it went to your boss. Or you, you, it's, about, it's about one person or about some, or, or you send a text and, and you do that, that voice texting thing where, where you're talking. I don't, even want to, I don't even want to give you an example of that. Because you can read the book. But the, the problem is that you're like, oh, it was unintended. I intentionally sent the message. But the consequences were unintended. And what the message here of this fifth monument is, God doesn't walk away from you and say, well, you made a mistake. I'm out. 
God gave them victory, and that's the day the sun stood still. God said, I'm going to work powerfully. I'm going to fight powerfully on your behalf. I know you made a mistake. Own up to it. Man up. Don't, don't start blaming people and say, no, you made the mistake. You made the decision. Own the outcome. But God is still with you. And at the end of the story, it's an incredible story, but at the end, in, in verse 25, Joshua 10, Joshua said to them, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord's going to do to your enemies who uh, you're going to fight. And then Joshua put all the kings to death, there's five of them, and exposed their bodies on five poles, and they were left there hanging on the poles until evening. I know, it's gross. At sunset, Joshua gave the order, and they took them down from the poles. They threw them in the cave where they had been hidden. Uh, hiding at the mouth of the cave they placed large rocks which are there to this day and that is the fifth monument it is a monument to this if they were walking along they, they one of their children said hey what, what, what's that pile of rocks oh let me tell you about that story that's another victory that god gave us but it was after a bad bad mistake that we made but god is faithful and god gave us a victory Monument six you're going to have to jump all the way over to joshua chapter 22 for this monument and Monument Chapter 6 is this, is about the issue of pursuing peace. A question I ask is, what does it take to lead towards unity and harmony? In Joshua chapter 22, verse 34, the very last verse, the Bible says, And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between us and the Lord our God. Bottom line on this story here is that they, the, the Transjordan tribes had come over and they'd been fighting for seven years with their brothers, their Israelite brothers. When it was time to go home, before they crossed back over the Jordan River, they said, you know what, maybe we should build a big altar. Only, and they did. And Israel, it scared Israel. And Israel said, we're gonna go wipe them out. That's it. We gotta kill our brothers. And so they went, they went to have battle. But Phinehas, when you read the chapter, said, maybe we should go talk to them first. Maybe we should, we should understand why they did what they did. I mean, it's, a, it's an intense chapter when you understand what's really happening. And at the end, they pursued peace. And an altar that was set up and was not needed, they intended it for good. They said, we, we just wanted you, your children and your, your descendants and our descendants to remember that we are one. That even though there's a river between us, that we're still a part of God's people. And, and so in the end, this monument became a monument of pursuing peace. I believe that we live in a, in a time and a culture that is just so ultra-sensitive that you can't even have honest conversation about things. And everybody's so sensitive, and, you, you know, and, and, and while I understand that, I also understand that it is possible for God to take things that are, that are so difficult in a, in a culture and turn them to peace if we will pursue peace. In Romans chapter 12, he says this, Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And what strikes me is God doesn't ask us to do things we're incapable of doing. That would just be cruel. Now, with all of that said, um, I just think we're capable of pursuing peace. And um, that's what this, this sixth monument is about, not just among God's people, but pursuing peace with our, with our neighbors. And I don't know if y'all love all your neighbors, but I don't know all my neighbors, so I love them currently. 
we'll see. We'll see if I get a note from the homeowners association, at which point uh, I may need you to bail me out. The seventh monument uh, is, is found in Joshua 24. And I'm just going to leave this with you because I'm going to cover this next week. But in Joshua 24, it's choose today, finish strong. And how will, I finish, how will I finish strong and prepare the next leaders is the question. But what happens on this seventh monument, it's in Joshua 24 and verse uh, 25 and 26. But this is where Joshua just sets up a stone and, made, and he said, On that day Joshua made a covenant for the people there at Shechem. He affirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law. And he took out a large stone. He set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. And I'll talk to you next week. But that is the place where Abraham was when God said, Your descendants are going to live in this land. But that was 500 years ago. Joshua finally comes and said, okay, choose today whom you will serve. And they said, we're going to serve the Lord, your, uh, the Lord our God. And he said, okay, I'm taking this stone and I'm putting it right here under this, this big old tree. And if you're ever untrue, God's going to call that stone as a witness. The last monument for me is just brings up the question, so how am I going to finish? Do I have to keep going the trajectory I'm going? Do I have to keep living the way I'm living? Where do I want to finish? We'll talk about that, as I said, more next week. I will share with you before I, before I uh, wrap up with just some, um, some next steps for you that uh, I was facing a particularly difficult time in ministry at one point, and I remember that I was seeking a solution to the problems I was facing. God was blessing the ministry. Uh, the big building, um, some of you are familiar, the, there's a big church around the corner, bought the shopping center, lots of people. But you know, something, but, but something was stirring inside of me that something wasn't, something wasn't right. But you know, from outside, everybody was looking in going, oh, everything's wonderful and everything's great. But I knew, I knew everything wasn't. And so I was looking for a solution. And my way for looking for that solution was I, I, was, I had mentors. I had great mentors all over the country. And they would speak into my life. And they would ask me honest questions. And, they would, and I would talk through the story and the things I was trying to find a solution for. And I remember on one particular phone call, I was talking to a, one of my mentors who lives about 1,500 miles away. And I could tell in the conversation that he had stopped listening. I could tell that I had worn, I had worn him out. He had heard this. He had, he had given me the counsel he could. But I could tell just because of our relationship, he had stopped listening. Not because he was rude and not even because he was disinterested. But at some point, he couldn't help. And so I politely dismissed myself from the phone call and hung up the phone. It bothered me a little bit, but then I was driving down 436. I remember exactly where I was. My wife was in the passenger seat, and I was going on about this story. I was playing the same story. You ever get stuck in a loop where you play the same story? Huh? Ask your wife if you do. And so you get stuck. You tell the same story over and over and over, and you get stuck in a loop. And uh, what happens is um, I was talking, and I realized she had stopped listening. And I stopped talking. And after a few minutes, she said, oh, I'm sorry, go on with your story. <laughs> she was, meant it genuinely. And I said, no. And she goes, no, 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 please do. She thought she'd done something wrong. And she said, no, please go on with your story. And I said, no, I'll, I'll uh, I said, I just had a breakthrough. And I will tell you about it later. 
I never told the story again from that moment on. Because here's the breakthrough I had. It was as if the Lord said to me, Dan, no one can fix this for you. No one. But in the same moment, but you can. I've given you the ability to choose. I've given you the ability to believe. And you need to choose. There's A, B, or C. Pick one. Door one, door two, or door three. Door one is to keep things as they are. Door two is just for you to change and become what they need in this moment. Door three, I pick door three. Door three is for you to graciously step out. And I pick door three. Nobody was pushing me out. I picked it. I picked it because I realized no one could fix what God was calling me to. But I could choose. And I haven't regretted it, not for one minute. Because you hold God up in front of you and follow him. And it's going to be okay. Is it going to be terrifying at times? Oh, yes, it's going to be terrifying at times. But is it right? Absolutely. So I'm going to walk you through some questions, and then, then I'll pray with you. But on a scale of 1 to 10... How would you say you're doing in these? And basically, I'm walking you through the uh, monuments. But number one, I'm taking risks to follow God, even going into unfamiliar territory. I'm learning from the past, and I'm not running from it. And I'm letting the past inform my future, but not hold me back. Number two, I'm dealing with troublesome people and difficult circumstances instead of avoiding them. Are there any avoiders in the room? Just join me. I can avoid your problem. Like, I'm like, well, I'll just pray about it. God's like, oh, I don't need you to pray about it, about that. I need you to go do something about it. It's like somebody hears a sermon. One won't pray about that. Oh, you don't need to pray about it. You just need to go be it. Number three, I'm developing perseverance. The only way to develop perseverance is to move forward. Number four, I'm quick to obey God's instruction and I have found a rhythm to life which keeps me in spiritual alignment. This has been key for me. Number five, I'm trusting and accepting responsibility swiftly. Let me explain. When I make a decision, I don't blame. And Joshua didn't blame the Gibeonites even though they deceived him. He's like, nope, I made the decision. I made the call. I'm going to own it. Number six, I am an active peacemaker. I'm not divisive. And at the same time, I'm not passive. And number seven, I am secure in who I am, what I stand for, and I am investing in others. Now, there may be some areas that you are, in which you already excel, but I'm guessing that, like me, there's at least an opportunity for growth in some of those statements it's never too late to believe, and belief is the starting place for changing the trajectory of your life. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the way you love us and lead us. And my prayer for the men and women in this room today is that you will bless them, be with them, help them, Father, each one of us to be strong, to be courageous, 
and to be obedient, and we will leave all the results to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Together we say, amen. Amen. Amen.